this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Ooh. Ooh, nah. Oof, oof, Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season four, episode 15 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, seen in a mall. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this year's girl. We're getting to that part of the season where... We just watched an episode two days ago, and then we watched another one, like, immediately. Yeah, we just, I want to see what happens next. We do this every season, where we, like, we'll be pretty consistent doing it once a week, and then, like, we get to the last five, six episodes, and we just, like, watch them all in a week and have a million podcasts on back mm. order. Uh, on back order. You know what I mean. Yeah. Backloaded. <laughs> They're all recorded and done, and then we do nothing for, like, a month, because we're way ahead. Yeah. A month where we're like, can we start the next season? No, we have to recap our thoughts and feelings of season four. Exactly. But we're not there yet. No. I thought both these episodes were good. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about them. I feel like we're probably going to have a couple good episodes around here. There'll probably be a couple lulls, but I think it's a good point for both shows. Gilmore Girls is good from here on out. Oh, yeah? I don't know if that's true, but just looking at the descriptions, I think there's a lot of fun stuff coming up. There's at least one Buffy that everyone hates. Mm -hmm. And you'll see why. Is there anything new with us? We did just literally do this like two days ago. We're going home to visit our family. We haven't seen them in a long time. Six months at least. We saw your family in September. Yeah, I was thinking of yours. Yeah, you haven't seen my family since before the pandemic. Yeah. It's I've gone been, home a couple uh, times without you. Hard. Right. It's been hard for you to not see my family. I'm a little nervous about the flight. Yeah. Flights are getting canceled constantly. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We didn't go home for Christmas because it was so expensive. Yeah. But it's cheap now, but who knows if the flight will go. Yeah, we're going to have like one coughing stewardess. This is another reason we've been like doing as much podcast stuff ahead of time as possible. So yeah. we don't have to worry about it while we're there. I'm excited to finish this podcast. That means we get to watch the next episode because I want to know what's going on with Faith. I want to know what's going on with Richard. Also, wine is good. Yeah, especially wine from Wink.com. Shameless promotional section. Wink.com is an online wine company where you take a quiz about your palate, and then they send you wines recommended for you based on the results of your quiz. It's a monthly subscription service, and you can get your first four bottles for just $29.95 plus free shipping sent directly to your door by clicking on the link in our episode description and or by using the promo code Gilmore Slayer at checkout. We've been using this. We love it because we don't know anything about what good wine is. We just know what we like to put in our mouths, and it's Reflected in the wines they send us. Yeah, we've had plenty of really good ones from them. Plenty. I think that's all the things we're obligated to say at the top of the show. Obligation complete. Brian, you're up first. Tell us about Gilmore Girls, Seen in a Mall. So this episode is about Lane moving out, finding a place to live. It's also about Lorelai and Rory finding some time to spend together in their busy schedules. And also, mainly, it's about some tension brewing between Emily and Richard. Ooh, juicy. Juicy, juicy, juicy. Okay, so the episode starts with Lorelai annoying Luke by using his fax line for her computer's internet connection. She's got, like, a phone line draped over the counter completely in his way and, like, you know, once again, doesn't care that it's inconveniencing him completely. I had to ask you if this was even possible. I never had dial-up, so I was like, can you just plug into any old phone line and it works? Super fascinating to see old internet connection hookups. You remember when, like, someone would pick up the phone at your house and that would disconnect you from the internet? No. That is crazy. Yeah, I remember that. Be like, Mom, I was very slowly downloading one photo. Of a naked woman. I think. We never got that far. Yeah, we got internet when I was, like, in high school. We got it fairly late, but we went straight to cable. Well, Lorelai, she's using the old dial-up on her giant old laptop. She doesn't even get food while she's there, so all of this is just unnecessarily annoying Luke. She's there a while. She might get food. It's like, true. She's there like all afternoon, I think. Yeah, you're, that's true. We never see her get food. By the way, her hair looks like a lion's mane in this scene. Unrelated. I just want to point that out. When she finally goes to leave, Luke awkwardly slides her a check for, you know, just $30,000. The money she was going to ask him for for the inn. He looks around like he's handing her drugs, though. I don't, I don't know why he's being so secretive about it. Like, is anyone going to be like, wait, what's that? What are you handing your best friend? What's going on? 
they do some like paper writing and sliding like business people do when they're making deals, you know, and they write numbers and slide it back like this much, I'll pay you back. What about this interest rate? Eventually she thanks him on there and it's it's pretty sweet. She's worried about what Nicole's going to think. Yeah, and he gets very like, you're not going to see Nicole. Don't worry about it. It's like, okay. Uh. The anger could have been because she was annoying him, but like it seemed a little bit like something was weird with Nicole. Kirk, by the way, also stops by. Uh, he sneaks his girlfriend's dog Buster into Luke's in a giant purse. Or it's is- not a purse. <laughs> yeah. He says it's not a purse, and Luke's like, cool, cool. It's your gay bag. Uh, okay. It's so funny. He just, like, screams it's not a purse immediately. Yeah. Obviously, the dog's in there. He tries to, like, order raw meat for the dog. Kirk has got a business that he sets up in this episode where he's looking after his girlfriend's dog and somehow people in Stars Hollow see he's doing a great job of it. So they all want him to watch their dogs. So he's got like a dog watch slash walking business for this episode. He's also got like a weird thing he does where he lets one of the dogs go and just like waits for it to find them. That's like a game. Part of me is like, that's a very dangerous game. <laughs> one of these dogs could get lost or killed. But it's very fun. That's that's Kirk's deal in this episode. Yeah, and sometimes he is the one that has to go away and come find them. Yeah, it's... You can't just leave all the dogs alone. There's also a point where Luke sees him with the dogs and they're celebrating one of the dogs finding him. Uh, and Kirk tells Luke to celebrate. He's like, uh, I'll celebrate with a beer. And Kirk's all like, no, beer bad. Cookies, cookies, cookies. And I think he's saying that to the dogs because the dogs shouldn't have beer. But also the dogs shouldn't have cookies. Or no English. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess there are some cookies dogs could have. You just gotta be careful. Anyway, whose ways? I thought the Kirk stuff in the opening was pretty funny. It wasn't my favorite as far as Kirk bits go. Right. Otherwise, but I thought the stuff with the bag in the beginning was funny. He, like, reaches inside and the dog bites him and he, like, says it was a paper cut. (laughs) Yeah. So Lorelai goes to Friday night dinner to find out that they are going out for food. They're not having Friday night dinner there. And Rory's not coming. She's got a cold. Lorelai didn't know because she hasn't been communicating very well with her daughter. The maid burnt dinner, which was supposed to be a tenderloin, and Lorelai cannot help herself from making all kinds of burning loin jokes. They're good. They're funny. Even Richard makes a burning loin joke or innuendo. Hard to say. Innuendo. Did I say what? I think you said innuendo. It's supposed to be innuendo. I don't know what I said. Emily's on the phone with a restaurant she's trying to force reservations on. <laughs> they like say they don't have any space for her, but she's like, well, get me whoever. They know me there. I can tell you're new. Uh, but I don't know that that's why she's in a bad mood. I'm pretty sure she's in a bad mood because of uh, Richard. Richard still has his mustache, which Emily absolutely hates. And also, he's clearly not like really listening to Emily. Like He was told there wasn't dinner, but was unaware that it got burnt. He also enters the room and immediately just starts roasting Emily about her shopping proclivities. He's like, Emily, be shopping. Am I right, Lorelai? They high five. <laughs> and when Emily suggests that Lorelai should go shopping, he's like, don't spread your disease to our daughter. Anyway, he's a hilarious stand-up comedian. But upsetting Emily even more, Richard says he doesn't want to go to the restaurant Emily picked. He wants to go to the one that Jason showed him, where he saw Moby. Wow. Moby's the music creator. (laughs) The music man. He's the music creator? You guys should see Brian's bedroom. It's just covered in Moby posters and CDs. Yeah, I love Moby. I don't. uh, I don't have anything against Moby. Is he still doing it? I don't know. Mobying? Emily doesn't like this, so then they decided to fight over how many Beatles are alive. They end up just going to Emily's restaurant. I want to point out both shows started with a very long previously on. Yes. I think a lot happens in these episodes that we needed to be reminded of. Yeah. For Gilmore Girls, it was everything that's been building between like Emily and Richard all season involving Jason and Pennell and Lot and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, they're really reminding us of a lot of things. Rory is indeed getting over a cold, and Paris is, like, freaking out about it. But, I mean, obviously she is. She's, like, spraying their doorknob because she touched it with, like, disinfectant slash accidentally sprays it with deodorant. Rory says, like, I'm not contagious anymore, even though she's, like, still stuffed up. I'm sorry, if you have symptoms, you're contagious. Yeah, what do you know, Rory? I think it's funny that, like, and I've said this before, like, how, like, colds especially, people were just like, yeah, I have a cold, who cares? I'm gonna go to the the movies, you know, like, people just go anywhere with a cold, like, not caring about giving it to people. Yeah. And we all just went out expecting we could get one at any point. Yeah. Lane calls Rory to tell her she's getting a new apartment. She's moving in with Zach and Brian. More on that later. Also, she's like, my first male is here. It's just lying on the floor of the living room. How did it get in there? Yeah, I don't know. That's not how mail works. No, it's not. It's just like a Chinese menu. So maybe like the landlord just put one in every apartment, but that's not mail. Lorelai calls Rory at some point to complain about their current email writing relationship. 
They both are writing boring emails that aren't very detailed, and they don't include important things like the fact that Rory's sick. So then Lorelai suggests they both play hooky tomorrow and hang out. Rory says she only has one thing, and she can play hooky. And Lorelai says the Inn can go a day without her. But this part really bothered me. Yeah? Because in the last episode, both women had breakdowns because they had too much going on. And they didn't have time for anything. Rory has so little time that she's catnapping between her classes. And Lorelai doesn't even have enough time for a haircut. The lack of free time was like the entire plot of the episode. Well, Rory dropped a class and Lorelai got $30,000. So (laughs) everything's all better, baby. I guess she does drop that. Okay, if she did drop that class, then maybe she has more time. I think it's a weekday, too. Because I was like, wouldn't Rory have like some classes? She shouldn't just skip class. If you only have four classes, there might be a day where she doesn't have class. Right. She said she's only skipping like a newspaper newspaper thing. thing. I had Fridays off some semesters. Lorelai suggests that they both go shopping, but then Rory actually remembers that them not having a bunch of money is a huge plot point this season, so they agree that they're just going to window shop because they are both skint right now. Skint. Which is British for broke. The next day, they meet at the inn. As an inside joke, they both wear roses to recognize each other because it's been so long. Tom sees the roses and is like, is that a girl thing? I don't like girl things. It just walks away. (laughs) She's like, yeah, because you're a contractor. But Dean, good old Dino, immediately recognized it's a private joke between her and Lorelai because he understands Rory. He gets Rory. I guess he's just very intuitive about things that relate to the two women that he's constantly sharing sexual tension with. Oh, uh, yeah. And we've mentioned that. There's just scenes with him and Lorelai sometimes are like, what is, are you guys going to kiss? Like, what's happening? Dean and Roy are chatting when Dean's wife and his mother-in-law show up to bring him lunch. Apparently, Lindsay brings him lunch every single day. But she's also a terrible cook, so maybe it's not all good. Her mom's teaching her. Yes, and she's like, don't worry, my mom made lunch today. I don't know that my mom, like, officially taught me to cook. I also can't imagine making something so bad that no one wanted to eat it. I mean, what are you eating for lunch that you're messing up? And if I mess it up and I tasted it, I was like, this is bad. Maybe I'm not going to bring it. Lorelai says she, like, made some really bad peanut brittle the day before or something. Yeah, like, like broke people's teeth. But, like, try it before you bring it in. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Following a recipe doesn't seem hard. I don't, you and I aren't, like, gourmet chefs, but it doesn't seem that hard to, like, cook basic stuff. Right. I guess she's, like, 18, though. Yeah. I didn't know how to make a ton We've of stuff. We've messed up food before. Yeah. <laughs> when Lorelai first sees Rory, she, she, like, pretends that this construction worker's Rory, this, like, big burly dude... <laughs> She's like, oh, like in earshot of Rory, she pretends, yeah. she thinks it's other guy's Rory. I thought that was funny. Oh, Rory, I haven't seen you in so long. Oh, yeah. You're never going to attract a man like that. Meanwhile, this poor guy's like, okay, are you calling me ugly? He didn't say that, but that's how I imagine he felt. Because he knows Lorelai. He's probably like, you're doing one of your fucking things again. <laughs> okay, whatever. Tom told me to just smile. So Rory and Lorelai head to the mall. They start window shopping arm in arm. They're trying to be like characters in a movie where... Olden days, they used to do window shop. Lorelai says she's seen it in a movie and then later admits that she thinks she maybe just made this all up. They both look really cute. They do. I thought that, actually. Rory's hair looks cute. Yeah. But the two soon realize that not being able to buy all the cute clothes is actually not all that fun. So they decide to leave, but then, on their way down the escalator, they see Emily coming up the other way. Lorelai tries to hide from Emily by just, like, covering her eyes with her hand. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, that doesn't work. And Emily just, like, demands that they meet her at the top. It's actually very funny because Lorelai reluctantly starts walking back up the escalator the wrong way. She's like, no, come down and come back up. Yeah. Emily doesn't even, like, give her, like, oh, you're being silly. It, she says it like you, like she thinks Lorelai is trying to do that. Uh, when they meet up with Emily, she's just like, I thought you were both swamped at work. You know, because that was the entire point of last week's episode. <laughs> And then they mumble some stuff about playing hooky. Then Emily just decides that they are coming shopping with her. I thought that was funny because they, they like, try to lie for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Like, almost improvising why they're there. And then Lorelai's just like, eh, we're playing hooky. Yeah. They try to resist going with Emily, but she just, like, tells them that they aren't leaving and that they are coming with her. She just, like, demands it. And let me tell you this. um, Emily is a professional shopper. They're ready for her. Yes. As soon as she gets to whatever fancy store they're going to... The staff, like, all knows her. Immediately, there's a personal shopper walking next to her. It's like an Aaron Sorkin scene. Just everyone's moving and talking 
down the aisle constantly. Walk and talks. Yeah, walk and talks. It's a bunch of walk and talks. This woman that's standing next to her is just like there to report all the new rich person shit that they just got in that Emily might like. Yeah, Emily's like, what's new? I want a full report. It's like Emily's in the initiative, but the initiative is just selling shit to rich people. Well, the initiative is an empty mall. <laughs> yeah, totally. Tinfoil covered mall. Emily, honestly, just starts buying random shit. Like, everything someone shows or suggests or that she sees. Like, even without seeing it. A woman just shows a glass apple to her, and she buys, like, a bunch of them. She's like, that's gorgeous. I'll take them all. Yeah, like, what? who the fuck wants glass apples? They are pretty. They were made in Venice. I guess that's important. They must float? I don't know. They're like, they only made 18 of them. Well, probably because they're dumb. You don't need more than 18. It's kind of like that scene in Pretty Woman, except Emily is aggressive and not charming. She flags down some rando employee and just like tells him that they've got Richard's measurements on file and then tells him to wrap up a bunch of their latest Brionis, which is like suits, a really fancy, expensive suits. And then like six pairs of shoes and they need to feel like butter. Oh my, who, who has this money, man? A woman who worked as a set costumer for Gilmore Girls is like very active on TikTok now. She does lots of like behind the scenes stuff. We did a TikTok joking about Richard's shoes a long time ago, and she commented on it saying he only ever wore, like, one pair of shoes the entire series, unless he had to wear, like, tux shoes or something. So it's funny to think that Emily's buying him six pairs in one day. Yeah. I'll link her in the episode description. If you don't follow her already, check it out. Emily also just starts saying stuff like, give me whatever accessories someone with a mustache would want. Yeah, the most expensive mustache comb you have. Yeah. (laughs) That's She's really hung up on the mustache. Yeah, and I have a mustache comb, and they're nice. Uh, mine was very cheap, though. That seems like the uh, the least problematic of the problems she has with him, but it's the one she brings up the most. Well, the other things that you could justify, like, well, that's part of his work, and it's annoying to her, but, like, he's doing the best for his business. But a mustache is just something he's choosing that bothers her. Penel and Lot's not part of his business. You're right. I think she thinks he's having like a midlife crisis. Because in the last episode, when the mustache arrived, she said something like, the Ferrari's showing up next week or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. So I feel like she thinks his mustache is like him trying to reconnect with his youth. His mustachioed youth. While they're walking, Emily spots a big globe that's just for display. That's what an employee says. But then she says to the employee, everything is for sale. And he says, oh, I'll take care of it. It reminded <laughs> me of from the Leon the Professional when... um. Uh, Sirius Black, what's that guy's name? Gary Oldman? When Gary Oldman <laughs> says to, like, the the police chief, like, give me everyone. He's like, everyone? He's like, everyone! Uh, yeah, so same same idea, but from, you know, Emily talking about globes for sale. I've never heard of any of that. Lorelai points out that her dad already has a globe, so um, Emily's like, well, then Rory can have it. She goes to school. She needs a globe. But it's an old globe with, like, ancient maps that don't include all the countries or even California. Side note, I want this globe. He does. Yeah, I like old-timey globes. But again, it's like they forgot about last week's episode. Last week, Jason noticed Richard's globe and said to Lorelai that he wanted a globe. So I don't know why Lorelai didn't say that. Like, oh, well, actually, Jason would love this. Because she'd have to reveal that she knows that about Jason. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's totally right. By the way, Mom, I know you're in the middle of a meltdown, but I am dating Dad's business partner who you hate. Yeah, that's true. I thought she might say that to Rory, like, I'll give it to Jason. I, and you know what? I bet I have faith in Amy that that will go to Jason. If it doesn't go to Jason, then shame on you, Amy, for missing that obvious thing you set up. If it doesn't go to Jason, Brian will take it. I, I would like it, Amy, if you don't give it to Jason. <laughs> Emily tells the girls to buy whatever they want. It's on Richard. It's clear at this point that this spending spree is a revenge spending spree. Yeah. And and she is, like, forcing this spending spree. Like, Lorelai and Rory are very much like, we don't need any of this. But Emily then, like, forcibly buys Lorelai a diamond watch that she doesn't want. Lorelai's like, I don't want this. Emily shouts, I'm buying you a damn watch. Wrap it up. Lorelai asks the employee if she can return it. And we disagreed about this. I think she wants to return it for the money. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because in the end, they end up with a ton of stuff, and they're planning on returning, like, all of it. But, yeah, does Emily just get reimbursed the money, or is Lorelai somehow going to get the money? Because I could see Emily being mad, like, I bought this for you, why did you return it? Yeah, but, I mean, if you return something to a store without a receipt, I feel like it's going to go back on that credit card. You're not just going to get credit for something you didn't buy. Well, I would agree with you, except that they all, like, know Emily very well there. Yeah. 
So I feel like they would be like, oh, you're Lore- sure, that's no problem. Here's, here's your money back. I also feel like Lorelai would feel bad just like taking money from her mom in that way. Sure. But Emily did demand she get all this stuff. Yeah, it wasn't like she wanted any of this. Rory tries on a hat that looks really cute. <laughs> She's like got this real stupid pink feather hat on. I thought that was funny. Yeah. The first hat looked good though. Keep uh-huh. it. Buy it. I don't know what you would wear it with though. No, me neither. It looks like a classic movie hat. Lorelai tries to, like, bring some uh, sanity to all this. She tries to tell Emily that the shopping spree for stuff that she definitely doesn't need seems a little crazy. And then Emily uh, goes crazy and loses it. She's like, crazy? Your father's job and the mustache are crazy. Your father clubbing with Jason and having secret lunches with Panel and Lot is crazy. Again, mostly bringing up the mustache more than all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. She just likes going on this rant. She suggests that, you know, Richard's ribbing of her the other day about how all she does is shop and she's got like a shopping problem. That's all she does is maybe true. She doesn't have anything else. She doesn't have a job. And then she even like demands an employee bring her an application, which is you got to wonder what that employee is like. What? He does it. He knows not to say yeah, no. He just runs to go get her one. That was all very funny. Lorelai and Rory eventually take her to the food court to calm her down. Where she's never been. She's never been. And she's like, where are we? I'm so turned around. And then she's like totally in awe. I love when Emily gets like this, where it's almost like where she just like almost shuts down a little bit and like sort of just becomes almost like a baby. Yeah. Do you know where they'll tell her to do something and she'll be like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like, I don't know what I'm, okay, I'll try this. Okay. Because she's usually just so, she knows exactly what she wants and she's the one calling all the shots. Can you think of an example of another time that that happened? I can't, but I know she has done it before. I think when she was with Lorelai on that, like, retreat, and she put on that lipstick. Oh, sure. Vicious trollop. Yeah. The girls buy a ton of food, like, something for everywhere. Way too much food for all of them to eat. Emily uh, is clearly aware that she was acting absurd and feels bad about it. She's like, if I had seen a woman act like that, I would have called security. While they're grabbing food, Emily notices Lorelai on the phone and notices that she's being, like, pretty aggressive and authoritative while she's talking to someone who's making an ad for her in. And she's impressed. When she mentions that to Lorelai, Lorelai says that she learned to be assertive and commanding from the best, a.k.a. Emily. And Rory mentions that she's also an admirer of her mom. It's like kind of a, a sweet moment where Emily and Lorelai get praised. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot longer than you're making it seem, though. Like... Emily's really down, kind of like yeah. she was in that episode where she had to come fire Lorelai from the party when Jason moved it to Atlantic City. Yeah. She's just like, I've never done anything. And Lorelai's like, yeah, of course you have. You're so great. Everyone loves you. And it's just like a sweet moment between them. It doesn't happen very often. And then when Rory comes back, she's like, what's going on? And Emily's like, I'm just admiring your mother's life, which is like not a very Emily thing to say. Right. I don't know. Emily just like is very beaten down after her outburst in the store. Yeah. I think she's pretty humiliated with herself. But yeah, Emily's just pretty out of it. She's just like eating her burger and just <laughs> letting them tell her what to do. Yeah. It was funny too. She tried to pay for it and they're like, no, no, we have it. Plus the Moroccan place doesn't take credit cards. That seems ridiculous that a place in a food court wouldn't take a credit card. But maybe in 2004 that was true still? Yeah, when the internet was going through phone lines. <laughs> and Lorelai also tells her mom she needs to talk to her dad. Yeah, well, she's like, well, he's always busy. I was like, well, she make him make time. Like, maybe Richard doesn't actually realize that Emily's going through something. Right. She should grow a mustache. Yeah. That can upset someone a lot. During all of this, Lane is moving into her new apartment. She has to stop by her old house to pick up her stuff. Mrs. Kim is there being very formal but distant, which isn't that different than when she was living there. Uh, but also her Aunt June is there. Her Aunt June is very much like Mrs. Kim, very monosyllabic. She doesn't say very much. She brought her cousin Christine to help her move, and Aunt June just, like, shouts commands at Christine, who keeps her head down and replies with just, like, one-word responses. Like, she says, like, go with Lane, help her. That is until Christine and Lane get to Lane's room. Once there, she becomes, like, a total spaz, like, throwing her (laughs) arms up and, like, freaking out about how cool it is that Lane's moving out. She just can't believe it. You're moving out? She loves Lane's floorboard, like, hiding spaces, And she's like, maybe I could do that at my place. And she starts just hammering Lane with, like, question after question about, like, forbidden music and stuff. It seems that Lane's circumstances are a big deal and very unusual for the Kim family. She makes a point of saying, like, you're the first female Kim to move out without getting married. Finally, uh, she annoys Lane too much, and Lane snaps at her. She's like, I'm not your Yoda, kid. (laughs) 
When they finish, Christine is still freaking out, asking questions all the way to the bottom of the stairs, where she then goes back into, like, pious mode, head down, hands clasped. Her mom is so funny, though. She says, like, step away from Lane, Christine. (laughs) It's very funny. Um, When Lane leaves, her mom kind of just is like, goodbye, and kind of, like, pretends she's not emotional, but you can tell this is hard for her. Yeah. Also, what did you think about Lane snapping at her cousin? I feel like, I don't know, why wouldn't she want to be a bit of a Yoda for her? It's probably exciting that her cousin is, like, Lane curious. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I do also recognize that Lane's probably in a lot of emotional turmoil right now. So I could see her snapping for that reason. But Christine was being a lot, but I don't know. It seems like something she could bond over with another Kim that wants to escape this. Absolutely. Oppression. Totally. No, I felt that same way, but I, I reflected on it thinking that like, she's probably upset right now and this is just too much and she does doesn't want to deal with it yeah she doesn't want to answer all those girls questions especially when she's like getting stuff wrong about led zeppelin i mean come on come on when she brian and zach all start moving in they realize that it may not be the perfect fantastical situation that they had wanted for instance they all have stereo stuff uh but none of them have stuff like plates or cups and glasses or forks or even towels to dry themselves with Lane's reaction to finding a dead mouse is really funny. She's like, uh, he's a he's a big boy. He's a, a big, fat, belly-up big boy. They never said it was a mouse. Could have been anything. You're right. It could have been a cockroach, I guess. Or a squirrel. Yeah. Cat. But it was a boy. That's- it, was for, it had a big old dick that was hard as a rock in the sky. <laughs> wow. Uh, she barely looked at it. It yeah. must have been clear. He was a big, fat boy. Belly-up. Uh, Brian and Zach are fighting over shelf space. Uh, Brian wants to use it for all of his Futurama action figures. I had a friend that collected action figures, and he would show them to me, like, every time I went to his house. And at some point, I'm like, no one cares, man. (laughs) They start noticing they have other stuff that they don't have. Like, they don't have curtains, so they can't be naked, which is fine, because they can't dry themselves off, so they're never going to be naked. They don't even have a refrigerator. Lane just assumed one would be there, and there's not. Yeah, I mean, don't those come with rentals, generally? Generally, yes. Their bickering escalates and escalates, but then it, like, kind of ends because Lane realizes that the guys had made sure to give her her own shelves throughout the apartment. Yeah, they're sharing one shelf, and they left a whole one for her. Yeah, and they they said it like, yeah, of course, that's yours. And it was, like, a nice moment where, yeah, they're fighting, and the guys are being dumb, but, like, they do care about her. She hugs them. Yeah. She's like, this is going to work. Yeah, and then Zach's like, we also left you a shelf in the bathroom, so you don't need to hug us for that. <laughs> Dude is always negative. I thought it was funny when she was listing a bunch of stuff that they needed to get. And she's like, does anyone have pen or paper or money? (laughs) (laughs) The guys are sharing bunk beds. She's got the one bedroom. Yeah. It's pretty tight quarters. Those bunk beds, too, do not look like men want to sleep in them. No, they look like little boy bunk beds. They're so close together. But I would say that Zach might be fine with it because I feel like Zach is like, we got to live the rock and roll lifestyle where things are tough. I mean, he was upset about the bunk beds, though. He was upset about it, you're right, and he was upset about other stuff, like the nightlight that Brian was trying to put in. But I feel like he could live, like, hardscrabble life. Yeah, the bunk beds are in the living room. Yeah, and they got to make a space for a big, fat belly boy. (laughs) He's coming back to life. (laughs) It's a big plot point. Towards the end of the episode, Luke stops by an arcade we just discovered. We've never been here before. No. Kirk's friend is manning it. I don't know that we'll ever go back there. Oh. He's there to break some large bills, and while he's there, he sees Dean. Dean is playing a bunch of arcade games recently. Dean starts talking about how great Lindsay and her family are. They're all doing the dishes and stuff while he's not. I guess he works. I don't know if Lindsay works, which is kind of like the the life he wanted, right? Yeah. Like, he wanted a woman to, like, be there to make food for him when he came home, and now he has that. Yeah. But while he's there and talking to Luke, he definitely, like, looks out and sees Rory, and he's got this, like, longing glance, and he's very distracted. It's And I think Luke picks up on that pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The question is, does Dean leave because it seems like he's in the way, or does he leave because he doesn't want to be there? Right. But it sounds like he goes to the arcade, like, every night. Yeah, he's got a bunch of high scores there. At Luke's restaurant... Lorelai and Rory are taking inventory of all the stuff Emily bought them. They're going to return most of it, except for the, like, little bag that was given to them with their purchases. They both want that. I think they should keep the money because that would solve, like, most of their problems. It might be $30,000 worth of items, and I'm not even kidding. Yeah. They have a diamond watch there. Rory said that Emily bought Lorelai a wedding dress at some point. Yeah. They have a $700 yoga mat bag. What? 
Lorelai makes a comment about how people of means like Emily see stuff that they want and just take it regardless of how others feel about it. Only to have Luke point out that she grabbed her own coffee against the rules and then she sheepishly admits she does and she won't do it again only to later grab some pie that he tells her not to grab. It's kind of funny. Kirk bursts in with a rando dog and I mean rando. When the owners came to pick up all their dogs, there was just one left over, and it doesn't seem to have an owner, and Kirk doesn't know its name. He's just calling it rando things, like Noki. <laughs> He's just saying random syllables to see yeah. if it responds. It's funny because uh, he doesn't say Noki like Noki, but the subtitles say it's Noki. Really? Yeah. Like spelled with a G? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I noticed on the subtitles in Gilmore Girls last week, when Tana is soldering, mm-hmm. Rory comes in and like tells her to stop, but it said like... Taze, stop that, or something. I'm like, Taze is not a nickname for Tana. Is that something I don't get? Is it like a reference to some scientist that likes to solder? Or is that just like a weird thing they put in the captions? Because that's what it sounded like to them, but it's nonsense. That's weird. She could have just said like, hey, stop that. Yeah. I don't know. If you know what Taze could possibly mean, T-A-S-E, let me know. When I tried to look it up, all I got was like tasing someone with a taser. Well, poor Kirk... Doesn't know what to do with his dog, so he's just outside putting out, I was going to say missing dog flyers, but I guess they're found dog flyers. Yeah. Rory asks Lorelai whether Emily and Richard are going to be okay, because she likes them. And Lorelai says she does too, which I'm like, do you? Lorelai also says she thinks they'll be fine. Yes. But then we cut to Emily and Richard having dinner. It's very quiet. They're on opposite ends of a very long table. You can hear the clock ticking. Yep. I, this isn't even the table they usually eat at. Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. I guess the camera's just somewhere it usually isn't. Yeah, I think it's to show, like, how distant they are. Yeah, they're very distant. The whole time, Richard is just, like, sort of nagging her to deal with an annoying neighbor. Like, kind of pushing for it, too. Like, have you dealt with this? And she's like, no, I will soon. He's like, oh, it'd be nice if you got that done soon. Something about the garden. Yeah, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna be, it'd be nice to have that done by the time I got back from this trip. She's like, a- another trip? Yeah, he's gonna travel with Jason for work yet again. I hope he's traveling for work. And then Emily asks him what he thinks of the glass apples on the table, kind of smiling. The new ones she got from the store the other day. Yeah, the Venetian ones. And then Richard says, oh, yeah, I've always liked those. Ooh, nah, oof, oof, oof. But what we find out in the next episode is that he was in Venice when they were made. And so he knew the whole backstory. And that's no. when he loved them. <laughs> it just ends in that tense moment. Very tense. Ooh, Richard. Richard, Richard, Richard. Why would you say that? I would just be like, yeah, they're nice. Unless he, like, thought that they were something they had. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would have said, like, why the fuck do we have these? What are they for? Also, I got a bunch of notifications about some spending today. <laughs> okay, so I'm hoping that Richard's not having an affair. Because it's tough. Because he he admitted to spending time with Penelope and Lot and for keeping a, a secret. So it seems like he could be having an affair, but he already shared information about that. But he keeps traveling, and I'm like, I hope it's for work. But I could see Jason telling Lorelai, like, oh, no, we didn't. Richard didn't come with me on that. I hope he's not having an affair. But maybe he is. We'll find out. But if he has an affair, I'm going to be pissed, Richard, that you can't have an affair. I will not forgive you for that. Well, maybe I will eventually, but not for a long while. You randomly came up to me today and said that you wouldn't forgive Richard if he had an affair. Well, I feel like... In every show, I, I and I feel that way right now, but people forgive Spike for, like, being a murderer, so. Right. Well, what if Richard's a murderer? Well, does he have a chip in his head? Um, I don't know. Well, we'll see. If he gets a chip in his head, I can forgive him in about half a season. So that's <sighs> what I'm worried about. I'm worried about Richard having an affair. If he's not having an affair, they'll get over it. If he is having an affair, I could smell divorce coming up, man. Ooh. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Drama. Drama. Hopefully... Once Richard gets his like butter shoes, things will smooth out. But until then, I don't know. So do you think this is a good one? I do. Yeah, it is good. All I remember was Emily on her little crazed shopping spree. I didn't really remember anything else. Like, I knew they went to the food court, but I didn't remember how nice that scene was. I definitely remember that moment at the end, too. I get torn about moments like that because, like you said, that moment at the food court was nice, and I agree with you. But in the same token, I feel like two weeks from now, Emily will act like that didn't happen. She'll be talking about what's wrong with Lorelai's life. I hear you. It did feel a little abrupt. It, it was like sort of like, you know, in like a sitcom where you learn a lesson, but in two weeks, that lesson will be relearned, you know? Yeah, I mean, this show's weird in that regard because it's kind of a sitcom and a drama. Yeah. 
Maybe I'm wrong, and I'd love to be wrong about that. But I just uh, when I see that, I'm like, oh, this is sweet. But like, will you remember that you love your daughter soon? <laughs> will you forget? Also, uh, I liked the name of this episode because uh, it had like a dual meaning. There was the scene at the mall that Lorelai sort of like fantasized herself having seen at some point of like women window shopping, mm-hmm. having fun. But then Emily like makes a scene at a mall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of fun that it's both. But the Dean stuff was interesting, too. Ugh, Rory's going to hook up with Dean. I mean, obviously, that's what's going to happen. The Kirk stuff was okay. That was funny. Kirk's going to hook up with the dog. Obviously, <laughs> that's going to happen. I enjoyed Luke in this episode. He was kind of where he needed to be. He didn't have much of his own thing going on. But yeah, like, I thought the Kirk dog thing was dumb, honestly. Not dumb, like, get this out of the episode, but, like, eh, it just wasn't that funny. There's been better Kirk things. Yeah. There's um, just a scene where, like, Kirk sees Luke, and it's the scene where he's, like, the dogs find him. And, like... Luke just kind of like rolls his eyes at Kirk. And I'm like, we didn't need this scene. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I really thought it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was funny. There wasn't too much that was annoying about it. Sometimes Lorelai, I mean, Lorelai was a lot with the internet in the beginning, but the Luke and Lorelai business arrangement was also kind of sweet. It was, yeah. It had like three or four sweet moments, which Mm -hmm. is nice. Should we move on? Let's do it. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharged. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 4, Episode 15, Merry-Go-Round. It's wedding time again in the Hollywell household, which can only mean one thing. Trouble. Okay... That's not a lot of information. So obviously, this is Cole and whoever he's dating. Phoebe. Phoebe, uh, which I knew. Yeah, she was trying on wedding dresses recently. She had cold feet. Yes, yes. They're warm now. We knew they were getting married. Yeah. And stuff, I feel like, definitely went awry when Piper got married. Mm-hmm. So what happens in this episode is they want to do a spell to get everyone like excited and on the same page about the wedding because some people are like... I don't know about Cole. I don't know how I feel about it. So Piper's like, I'll just do a spell to get everyone to have a good time. But what she does is she makes everybody propose to everybody. Oh, so no. So everyone at this wedding is like proposing just back and forth, like falling in love. They all want to get married. And it's like a virus that's going around. And so whenever somebody proposes around somebody else, then that person proposes. And then people get mad that the person they propose to is proposing to somebody else. That sounds hilarious. It's so funny. It's a funny episode. In the end, everyone just gets married. But you can't marry more than one person. Right. Legally. Right. And so it ends up much like Piper's wedding where... Trouble. Prue had that dream (laughs) where a bunch of cops showed up to arrest her for tax evasion. Right. But this time the cops show up. To arrest everyone for... Polygamy? Yes. No. Oh, okay. It's not legal. Yeah. And the, the cops can just tell. They are like... <laughs> we hear people are getting married We here. got some reports of multiple marriages over here. My cop's a little weird. Down at the courthouse, there's a lot of filings for weddings today. See? They're from a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They might be vampires. It's tough to say. They might not be cops. There's some shady stuff going on with them. They might be 20s gangsters. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, my cigar tastes great. And I want you to know, puff puff, that you're going to jail, see? (laughs) But everyone believes that they're the cops because they say they are. We're the cops. Yeah, that's it. That's the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You know, trouble. Yeah. But in the end, they straighten it all out. The spell wears off. It was a temporary spell to make people temporarily enjoy themselves at the wedding. Yeah. And it wears off when everyone gets divorced. And it it turns out there was nothing to worry about. People were happy to be there. Well, there is one funny twist where there's, like, one couple that, like, gets in line to get married first. And they make a big deal of, like, getting their paperwork done and, like, finding ways to get married before other people. Like, slyly. Kind of, like, cutting line. But it's, like, they find a way to get married first. And they're very proud of it. But then at the end of this, they're just, like, unhappily married. <laughs> yeah. They're like, God damn it. We hated each other in high school. Yeah, and And now. That's why you don't get married, see? Toot toot. That's him. They're on a boat? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, back to the police tugboat, see? Uh, Yeah, that's what happens. This is Ben. Meanwhile on Charmed. So, Stacey, can you tell us what happened on Buffy's This Year's Girl? Yes. What happens is Faith wakes up. Oh, my God. It's kind of it. I mean, that's not it, but, like, that's the big thing the episode's Mm -hmm. about. She's back. She's awake. She's upset. Much like Gilmore Girls, there's a very heavy recap reminding us who Faith is, why she's upset. All the stuff Riley's done all season. It's a lot. We, we see every scene again. I think it's a 30-minute previously on. 
So it opens on Buffy making her bed at her mom's house with Faith. You know, totally normal thing to do with a girl in a coma. Right. So it's clearly some kind of prophetic dream that they're sharing. Very similar vibe to the one that they had at the end of season three. And the general themes of the dream are that Buffy can smell the clean sheets and Faith can't. Faith has COVID in this episode? Yep, very ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. It's a prophetic dream, you know? (laughs) It's implied that maybe Buffy's kind of forgotten about Faith a bit, or Faith feels that way at least. And Buffy can't stay long because little sis is coming, and there's a lot to do before she gets here. What does that mean? Little sis is coming? What does that have to do with anything? It means Michelle Trachtenberg's showing up eventually. Who is... What? I don't know how she's connected to anything, but I know she's coming. Okay. I'm sorry. Let me get this straight. You know Michelle Trachtenberg is in the show. Yes. And you think this is her little sister. I know she's someone's sister. Buffy doesn't have a sister, so this line from Faith doesn't make any sense. No. We might as well just forget she said it, because I don't understand it. Who knows what her dad's been doing the last three years. Yeah, whatever. This is a weird prophetic dream that obviously doesn't profess anything. You suck at lying. And then the dream ends with Faith bleeding all over the freshly made white sheets. Turns out her knife that Buffy stabbed her with is still in her stomach. She asked Buffy if she's ever going to take it out, but instead Buffy just maliciously twists the knife. Cut to Faith still in her coma. A little later... Faith is having another dream. She's on a weird little picnic with the mayor, dressed more like Buffy than Faith, I might add. And there's a little grass snake on the picnic blanket. He's like, you don't belong here, but you're not going to spoil our time. And he just like puts it back on the blanket. It was weird. It seemed like he was going to get rid of it, but he just keeps it there with them, even though he's like, get out of here, snake. I think the snake is him. And then that nasty bitch Buffy comes along with Faith's knife and stabs the mayor. Can I tell you what I think it is? And this is just based on my interpretation. Sure. I think the snake is his desire for power to become a demon. And he's sort of like, that's not what this is about. This is about you and me. This isn't about my other goals. Oh, sure. And like, I don't want this to get in the way of of us being together. And it did. Because if he hadn't done that, he would still be alive and he could be with Faith and be her father figure. Right. And if Buffy hadn't come along. Yeah, either or. Absolutely correct. And a very evil-looking Buffy. This dream kind of is continued later with Buffy still chasing Faith through the streets of Sunnydale at night, through a graveyard where she ultimately falls into an open grave. Buffy jumps in after her, but Faith climbs her way out. It's raining. She, like, shawshanks up to the sky. And then she wakes up from her coma in the dirtiest hospital room I've ever seen. It's so dirty. They've, like, put her in this complete basement dungeon room. Like, I'm guessing when someone's in a coma for a year, they maybe don't let them, like, keep a precious ICU bed. But I assume they just go in some, like, normal hospital room. They don't keep them on the set of Saw. Like, this looks so dingy. It's so dark. The floors and walls are just, like, concrete that's literally dirty. Yeah, I would not be surprised if this literally was, like, the mausoleum set. And they were just like, make it look like a hospital. I thought they were maybe going to address it, but I I don't think there was a reason she was being kept down there other than that's just where they keep the coma people. Yeah. So she gets out of bed. There's no one around. She walks down the abandoned hallways and eventually comes across this woman with a teddy bear and tells her, hey, I got to get to the Sunnydale High graduation. And teddy bear lady's like, oh, you're crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. And Faith starts asking what day it is, what year it is, what happened to Sunnydale High. And Teddy Bear Lady tells her that a lot of the students, the principal, and the mayor all died. We don't see what happens next, but suddenly Faith is walking around outside in this woman's clothes. No sign of the teddy bear. Hope he's okay. (laughs) I want to point out that this episode does uh, something kind of interesting. I don't know if this is intentional, although I I think it must be, but I don't know. Earlier in the episode, the Scoobies are talking about Adam, and they refer to him as, like, the Terminator. But then Faith... Uh, has a dream about Buffy where she's very Terminator-esque, like mm-hmm. following her relentlessly, just walking with no emotion. And then Faith, like the Terminator, like shows up in a time she's not familiar with, sees the first person she comes in contact with and is like, takes their clothes. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like three Terminator references. Huh. We'll get back to Faith in a bit. Meanwhile, the Scoobies have gathered in Xander's basement to see if Xander can fix one of those Commando's lightning guns. Do you think this is the broken one that Maggie gave to Buffy to take to the sewers? I assume so. I was like, where did this come from? Xander's not too confident that he can fix it, and why would he be able to, honestly? like, because- Yeah, he was a military guy, but not like a secret military guy with like cutting-edge technology. Yeah, this is newer than the training he had that one time. Yeah. 
By the way, someone has made Xander a sweater and Willow a hat out of the same material. <laughs> Just like very bright outfits in this one. It's like striped, bright colors. Buffy's pretty burnt out. She's stressed out about Adam being out there and thinks that since she's not able to fight him with her strength, she might be able to deal with him with this gun once it's repaired. And she's also worried about Riley. People from the initiative have told her that he's fine, but like she doesn't really know if she can trust them, specifically that she can trust them to not brainwash him. And then we see Riley waking up in his hospital room. He's done being there. He's on his way to go see Buffy. And Forrest is like, ugh, gross. I hate Buffy. Yeah. And I don't trust her. But Riley's all like, I do what I want. I'm in charge. Out of my way. Buffy and friends are out patrolling. Buffy's tossed on a leopard print jacket to really clash with the other two's outfits. <laughs> so they're like in a, I don't know, forest or something. And then we see this like red demon just like flayed maybe. Yeah. He's like all cut open and like spread out up in the trees. He's dissected. Yeah. They walk right past it first. I don't know how they didn't see it. It's kind of like Maggie Walsh's body in the previous episode. But they're all kind of freaked out by that. Back at Xander's, they talk about how this must be Adam just like killing and cutting open whatever living things he can find to figure out how they work. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, in the Mountains of Madness, the Elder Things did this. Anyway. Is that a book? Mm-hmm. It's an H.P. Lovecraft book. First things first, Buffy wants to rescue Riley. She needs Willow to hack into some mainframe. She wants Xander to give her any gear he's got saved for a rainy day. This is like asking a lot. Does Xander have secret gear? she know Willow can hang into this thing? Yeah, what secret gear has he been holding? Like, he doesn't have access to more gear. Yeah. <laughs> did he I, steal a bunch of stuff he's hiding somewhere other than this basement? I guess you can make an argument that he did have some hidden gear for when he snuck into the initiative, and he did sneak into a military base and steal a bunch of shit. That did happen. Yeah, but you'd think he would have shared all that with her. Right? Yeah, like, what is he hiding at this point? Also, Willow's like, I don't know if I can hack into that. She's like, you can. Just use magic. It'll be fine. <laughs> Okay, Bobby, back off. I'm buying you a damn watch, Willow. <laughs> None of this matters, because Riley has somehow snuck his giant body into the basement without <laughs> anyone noticing. And he's like, don't go to rescue me. I'm right here, baby. Wait, okay, I'm sorry. What? The voice you did was clearly from Big Mouth. <laughs> the old the hormone, hormone monster. Yeah. I mean, it was the cadence. I don't know that I was doing the voice. <laughs> what you can't do. <laughs> Bobby's into some weird people. He apologizes for how he acted. Slash how he threw Willow to the ground. Yeah, she's fine with it. They seem to kind of totally trust him, even though a minute ago Buffy was saying she maybe couldn't super trust him. And even Xander almost jokingly asked if they put a chip in his brain and kind of immediately seems to trust him too. I don't know, Xander was really, I don't know about Riley the last few episodes. And now after he could have potentially been brainwashed, they're all just like, Riley's back, yay. Yeah. Riley and Buffy go to her dorm. He's all paranoid that they're being watched. He's still trying to figure out who he even is now, if he can trust the initiative. She's like, I totally get it. I used to work for the council, where Giles was also employed, by the way. Remember this detail, viewers? It'll be important in this episode. But I quit the council and everything's fine now. Maybe you could quit too and like find your own thing, like me. He's like, I don't know. I need a mommy. Will you be my mommy? <laughs> And she's like, absolutely, I'm here to help you however you need. And then she again kind of jokes that she's checking his brain for brainwashing chips, which leads me to believe there is one in there. People keep asking him. Well, man, I'm pretty sure she was just flirting and she's going to bone him. Yeah, but that's the second time someone asked. A doctor, a nurse, and a detective. I'll walk into a bar. I was going to say that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, they've gathered in Faith's dungeon of a hospital room to figure out how a coma patient could have possibly just disappeared. The detective's pissed because they didn't have security on Faith since she's, like, wanted for questioning for murders. And the doctor's like, no, there was no way she was ever going to wake up. That's why we were keeping her in the storage closet. And then another hospital employee comes in with news that the teddy bear lady has been beaten unconscious and stripped. Everyone leaves except the nurse, and then she makes a phone call to someone just saying, it's happened, send the team. Who's this nurse and who's she calling? A little later, we see the nurse awaiting a helicopter as it arrives at the hospital, and three dudes in leather jackets with briefcases get off and follow her in. More on this later. Faith, meanwhile, still walking through town. She visits the dilapidated high school. She sees happy groups of friends, happy daddies and daughters. She's got this weird theme music, too, which is very similar to that from Frozen 2. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it might be the same song. I think they stole it from Buffy. 
Eventually, she finds herself at Giles' place. Has she been there before? Like, does she know where it is? I don't know, but she was friends with all of them, so I would not be surprised. They didn't used to go there that regularly. Yeah. She could also look him up. Yeah. So she's just, like, lurking outside. The Scoobies and Riley are all inside. Except Anya. She's busy this episode, I guess. She's filming a movie or something. It seems like they'd be worried about where she's at. Yeah. So Faith's just, like, standing outside and listening. They're talking about Adam, saying he's probably charging up somewhere. Riley just, like, casually fixes the blaster gun that Xander was having a hard time with. Buffy casually smooches Riley a bunch. And you can tell Faith's like, who's this clown? And Riley lets them all know he's down to play both sides, maybe. Being like a double agent. And then Buffy gets a phone call letting her know that Faith is awake and has escaped the hospital. But who called her? Like, they called Giles' place. Knowing Buffy would be there? Who's got this info that's willing to share it with Buffy and knows where Buffy is? That's a good question. Maybe the cops? Maybe like the old woman? From the bar? No, the woman from the hospital. Like, I guess the cops maybe know that Faith was involved with some shit because Buffy was, like, investigated for... Yeah. I don't exactly remember what went down, but I feel like they were both in trouble with the cops. Yeah. And Buffy was like, no, no, it's Faith. But I, I just don't think they would call her. At Giles' place. Yeah. Like I said, it could be the old woman that called. Like, she might be wanting to warn her. Yeah. She obviously knows what's up with Faith. Oh, the nurse woman. Yeah. I thought you meant the woman from Willie's bar that Riley tried to shoot. No, the nurse. Okay, yeah. We already saw her make one phone call. Maybe she made a bunch. I don't know who she works for. Yes, you do. I mean, I do, but I don't know if I trust them either. <laughs> well, they, they might want to keep Buffy alive. That's true. So now they've got two killers on the loose. They don't know where Faith is, what she's thinking, what she's feeling, who she's doing, Xander says. They're basically right back where they were last season. Like, what do they even do with Faith when they find her? Yeah. Give it to the cops, the council. Someone suggests containing her at the initiative, and maybe they rehabilitate her somehow. Yeah, Giles is like, maybe there's some form of rehabilitation we haven't thought of. And it's like, yeah, you could put a chip in her brain. Yeah. So they're just having this, like, long pitch meeting convo about it. And I totally predicted this line. Riley, who they haven't shown on camera for a few minutes, is like, who's Faith? Yeah. The next day, Buffy's telling Willow how she had to tell Riley everything about Faith, leaving out some of the angel-y parts. And then Faith's just right there in front of them on campus. She's gone shopping for a new wardrobe and makeup, I guess. Shoplifting, more likely. And she says she's 5x5, five five, but still pissed at Buffy. Might be more 5x4 right now. Yeah, yeah. She's partially pissed because Buffy stabbed her for Angel, and now she's not even with Angel. What's up with that? And she also said her dream involves stuff about cigars in a tunnel. What is that about? Do you know what sex that is? stuff. What? Yeah, those are like classic like dream sex interpretations. So she's telling Buffy she also had sex dreams, just as like a random anecdote? I mean, I think she's being funny. Okay. I did not get that. So then they fight. Willa helps a little with her backpack. Very little. <laughs> Very little. Before she even does, Faith, like, kind of sees it out of the corner of her eye. She's like, don't even try it. Then the cops show up, so Faith runs away. Willow enlists Tara's help to find Faith. Nothing really happens in the scene except Willow kind of makes fun of Faith for saying five by five. And Tara's like, five what by five what? And Willow's like, no one knows. <laughs> we also get to learn in this scene that uh, Tara can't fight for shit. <laughs> yeah, she, she pantomimes fighting and it's Poorly. Bad. Xander and Giles are out hunting for Faith. Xander assumes that Faith still thinks about him at all. Giles is like, sure, sure. And they come across Spike in the alley. They tell him about Faith, specifically that she's after them. And he's like, great, I'm going to tell her where you are and watch her kill you. It's <laughs> exactly what I've been saying. He can't hurt them, but he can get someone else to. And yeah. he knows a ton of information about them and where they hang out and what they talk about. Yeah. Xander does admit that they're dumb, though. That was a dumb move. Xander, by the way, is very poorly hiding his, like, boner. <laughs> for Faith. The initiative gun that Riley fixed in, like, two seconds, by the way. Yeah. Riley fixed it in, like, by touching a switch or something. Yeah, maybe it just wasn't turned on. Well, I, so, yeah, I mean, maybe Maggie didn't try to kill Buffy. She's just <laughs> like, I assume Buffy knows how to turn this on. <laughs> but, yeah, he's just, like, barely got it under his, like, jacket. Spike also says, dark hair, criminally insane. I like this girl already. <laughs> Is, was that supposed to be, like, she sounds like Drew a little? I don't know if it was supposed to, but it fits. Faith's still walking around, hiding from the cops. She comes across a demon in an alley who knows her name and says a friend sent him with this little gift. She kills him just to remind us she's bad. To be fair, if a demon was like, I got something from a friend, I'd be like, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's fair to kill You're going to kill me because it sounds like Tony Montana with his machine gun. That's true. It turns out the gift was a little videotape, which she easily finds a place to watch. The mayor had made her a little In Case I Die video sometime between when she went into a coma and when he died. Very short amount of time, but he found the time. He was a man of means. He figured if she woke up, 
the world wouldn't be what she was expecting it to be and that there wouldn't really be a place for her in the world. And without him, her days would be numbered. But he says she'll always have him. And she'll always have this other little gift, this mysterious metal object. And he says, just because it's over for my faith doesn't mean she can't go out with a bang. And we don't see the rest of the tape. It seems a little crazy to me that he made this. Like, he seemed so confident he would win and was told she'd probably never wake up. He says he's a realist, so I guess he knew there was like a slim chance she might see this if whatever demon he hired actually did his job. I mean, I think that he is aware that she's not a regular person. So when some doctor's like, oh, she'll never wake up, it's like, yeah, a regular person might not ever wake up. Yeah. But, like, the Slayer might. Like, the Slayer can heal from shit. I wonder if this was their intention all along, though, that they'd have this videotape, or if it was like, yeah, I guess there probably was enough time that day for him to make a tape. We could write that in. Sure. Buffy is reiterating to Riley how dangerous Faith is. He's like, yeah, yeah, a little scary lady. He's suddenly, like, in a super chipper mood. And Buffy seems to think he isn't taking this seriously enough. And he's really not. You'd think he'd get it. I mean, we don't see what she says specifically about Faith, but he knows how strong Buffy is. Yeah. Imagine a super pissed Buffy with no morals. Yep. That's bad news. Yeah. But Buffy tells him to take this more seriously because he knows that Faith will come after the people that she loves. Cut to someone I guess Buffy loves, Joyce. (laughs) That's sort of the attitude that she has. (laughs) Yeah. I saw Joyce's name at the top of the show. I was like, when are we going to get to her? We got like five minutes left. Yeah. But knock, knock, knock on Joyce's door. It's Faith who just punches Joyce out immediately. She must wake up at some point and Faith makes her sit on her bed while she rummages through her lipstick. She puts them on saying she usually doesn't wear such dark colors, but she always wears dark colors. Yeah, super dark lipstick. I'd argue that's her trademark look. Yeah. She asks Joyce how she looks. I actually think that Joyce looks great here. Joyce looks pretty. Yeah, but that's not what Faith asked, okay? I know. Joyce, how do you look? (laughs) (laughs) Joyce seems very unafraid of Faith. Kind of weird. She's like, you're going to slit my throat anytime soon or what? I was like, well, she might, Joyce. Chill. Yeah. But she said that she's confident Buffy's going to come in and kill Faith soon. Faith's like, sure, sure. She's just going to come crashing in here at any minute, which led me to believe that Buffy will at some point, and she does. But first- Her stunt double does, but- Yeah, yeah. But first, Faith starts rifling through all these letters from Buffy. I didn't really get this. Like, she's trying to bond with Joyce over how Buffy's kind of forgotten the both of them, which is true. The show's forgotten to put Joyce in this season. Yeah, she's been in what? How many episodes? Like, two? I don't even remember her being in this season so far. She helps her with her Halloween costume. Mm. And I think she's in the first episode. Buffy goes home in the the freshman when she's, like, unsure about school. Mm -hmm. That might be it. But, like, are these letters that Buffy's written? To Joyce? I think that's what we're led to believe. Joyce sent to Buffy and they got returned? But, like, they don't look open. Did Joyce not read them? Did she put them back in the envelopes? It's all weird, right? Because in my head, I think, I think there's supposed to be Buffy's letters to Joyce that Joyce has read and then put back in the envelope. So they're not sealed on the back. And you think they're trying to say, like, Buffy's been writing instead of visiting or yeah, calling? Yeah, but it's still, writing is still very, like, connected. It's, That's way more time-consuming yeah. than stopping by from, like, five minutes away wherever campus is. Yeah. It's not that big of a town. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how the show wants us to think Buffy feels about Joyce. Agreed. Faith says, you'd think she'd call to give you a heads up that I was on the prowl. Why didn't Buffy call? She probably assumed that nurse was just calling everybody. <laughs> You're assuming that's who called. Yep. (laughs) But then Buffy does jump through the window. Her and Faith fight all throughout the house, down the stairs. A visible cameraman gets a great shot of it. Yeah. There's a really cool part where Faith hits Buffy with a door. I think this fight is great. I love fights between Buffy and Faith because they're both equal strength. Mm -hmm. So the fight is just about improvisation and skill. And they're both really good fighters. They're both skilled. And you don't really ever know who's going to win. Yeah. Like a random Monster of the Week episode, Buffy's going to win it somehow. Exactly. With five minutes left in the episode. Absolutely. And in this one, too, they just seem more visceral. Like, just like when Faith hits her with that door, I'm like, damn, that didn't feel good, did it? Sarah said to her stunt double. (laughs) Right. And (laughs) Okay, so we give the show a lot of flack for using stunt doubles, and the show does. But I feel like if you're not looking for it, the fights with Faith look good. They do cover it well with their hair and clothes. So I feel like, yeah, if you just try not to look for the stunt doubles and the fight looks and feels real. Yeah, it's way better with the women than with, like, Angel. Mm-hmm. The Angel we just watched, there was such an obvious stunt double moment. It's like, that's not what David Boreanaz is shaped like at all. At this point, I, like, know what Sarah's stunt double looks like. So, like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's her. 
But you're right about the hair covering so much of their face. They can get away with so many more shots. Faith hears the cops coming. So she gets out her little device from the mirror. She grabs Buffy's hand and they kind of are like holding the device together. Some kind of magic happens. And then Buffy punches out Faith. Cool. Problem solved. Yeah. Joyce is like, hey, what's that thing in your hand? Buffy's like, I don't know. Maybe a weapon didn't work. And then she stomps on it. So Joyce never sees it or asks questions about it again. And Joyce asks if she's okay, and she says she's five by five to be continued. Those apples, I've always liked them. They uh, clearly switch bodies. Yeah. It was pretty obvious, but also when Brian stopped the episode, I read the first sentence of the next episode somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you can tell by what they're doing with Buffy's face that she's taken on Faith's body language and whatever. She didn't say five by five, like sarcastically, you know, like I just beat up the girl who says five by five. She said five by five, like I'm Faith. (laughs) Yeah. That is the end of the episode, but I did skip a moment. Giles goes home. At some point, and the three leather jacket men are sitting in his house. The helicopter bros. And they are British. That's all we know. The nurse should have been there. She wasn't. What is up with you and this nurse? You got a crush on her? We hang out. (laughs) So, Brian, do you think this was a good episode? Yeah, I do. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. I already said, like, the fights with Faith and Buffy are just a joy to watch. I love them. I also like Faith's character. She's just, I don't know, like this conflicted, immoral person. I like all that. I also like the moral implications and gray area it provides for Buffy and the rest of her friends. You yeah, know, that's like, true. We can't just kill her like a vampire. And well, I wish this, we could. Right. And her goals are like revenge, not like, I'm going to sacrifice the babies to blah, blah, and become with It's the very like Buffy motivated. I also love the mayor, man. The, the, in season three, I feel like the mayor let me down as far as... Like, he didn't really show up. I mean, he was in it, but he didn't really show up as, like, a real personality until much later. Were you forgetting he appeared in season four, do you think? No, I knew he appeared in season four. Mm. Yeah, I felt like you were waiting for mayor moments that never came. But maybe you were kind of conflating it with some of the season four stuff that we hadn't seen yet. Yes. I love the mayor's relationship with Faith. I really think it's cool. Because he's evil, but, like, he legit cares about her. I know I've talked about this before, but, like, I love seeing that. It just adds a, a whole layer to both of their characters. So having him come back was cool and, like, reiterating that he cares about her enough to make this video on this super important day. I loved it. I also love that they called her out for saying five by five. Yeah. <laughs> like, that that's a funny. dumb nonsense phrase. Why did we write that? Joss is like, I don't know. Sounded good. Yeah, it was definitely fun. And a lot of, I'm interested to see who these men are that are visiting Giles. Yeah. I mean, I think you should, I think it's pretty obvious who they are. We talked about it. It's, it's probably the council. Yeah, because they mentioned the council a few times in this episode, which is like, okay. Yeah, and they're British. But the only other person from the council we've seen, well, two, we've seen Wesley and Quinn or something, the guy that showed up when yeah. Buffy had to be tested. They're all very like, we wear suits and are very like, hmm, tea, boating. Yeah. Well, These guys seem a little tougher. Not the guys that Wesley brought in. Uh, did they have lines? Well, I mean, they came and beat the shit out of Angel and okay. took Faith by force. Anyone we've seen that's like had a conversation is like very yeah proper. Sure. These guys seem a little darker. I agree. But I'm very interested in anything about Giles' past because we know nothing. So Stace, which one do you think is better? Which episode? I think I'm going to go Gilmore. Yeah, it is tough. I am really torn because Gilmore was great. Gilmore was really good. Though some of those emotional moments like hit me, you yeah. know, like that Richard and the apples. You just, yeah. it's like an audible. Yep. You got to say that out loud when you see that scene. Yep. This episode was good and it set up a lot of stuff, but I think because it's like a two-parter, yeah. there's more questions than answers. Okay, so I am torn. I definitely feel like Gilmore's good, but I have to give it to Buffy just because I loved that fight so much. I really did. That's fair. So yeah, it's going to go Buffy, but it wasn't, when I say it wasn't a slam dunk, it was a slam dunk episode, but it just like wasn't a slam dunk on Gilmore because Gilmore also was a great episode. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this was a bad Buffy. I just feel like it as a single episode. This is so frustrating. Wasn't it satisfying? What? What's frustrating? That Gilmore's also good. Sorry. It's like, come on. I want my show to win. Did you think that this project would be unbalanced? No, but I, it's no, I, it's just it's funny when a good episode's up against a good episode. Did you know that coming into this episode? We were deadlocked. We've each voted for the same amount of Buffy's and Gilmore's. I did not know that. So now Gilmore's one ahead for me and Buffy's one ahead for you. Oh, I see. We'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to vote for Gilmore if I think it's better. I just, I, I like that fight so much. I, I think we're being as fair as we can here. Yeah. 
I'm just I'm a sucker for not giving Buffy the win on a first part of a two-parter. That is generally the way it's written, that the two-parter is lopsided in its uh, quality. Well, if you guys want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 16, Who Are You? Weird title. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 16, The Reigning Lorelei. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Who gets the money when they make those returns? Do you think Emily's going to get a job at that store? Why is Faith's hospital room so dirty? It is so dirty. Do you think Dean goes to the arcade because his wife wants him out of the way or because he's not happy there? Five what by five what? Who called Buffy? Yeah, who called Buffy? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. For more non-podcast content, follow us at Brian and Stacy. Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. We are also now watching and discussing the show Angel, posting weekly video reviews exclusively on our Patreon page. So find us on patreon.com forward slash Brian and Stacy, where we also host monthly live-streamed watch parties, post-monthly outtakes, and early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Serena Phillips. Besides Patreon, you can support the podcast by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. Or by purchasing wine through our partnership with Wink. Or you can support us for free by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and in return, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. And you'll have helped us get discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. Or you can just send us an email at Reviews at gmail.com. All right, let's get one of those body-switching devices and see what happens. Ooh, we should switch bodies and then fool around. With each other or with other people? With each other. Okay. And then other people. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sold. Cool. Let's call that nurse. Nurse! Bye!